Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. So, hi. Hi. <laughs> Why? Do you have a pen between your teeth? Uh, I well, that's you smiling. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could understand what you just said, but... Oh, oh, sorry. It makes me feel like I'm smiling. Like you're smiling, but can't you just smile? Well, I could, but I'm just trying out an experiment. Some psychologists found that if you hold a pen or a pencil in your mouth in a certain way, crossways... Like you're a horse and you know how a bit would fit in? Uh Yes, yes, exactly. Then it stimulates the smiling muscles in your face, which in turn sets off some chemicals in your brain, which makes you feel happier and less stressed. Notice anything about the way I'm sitting? Uh, (laughs) No. The posture? (laughs) Are you trying to convey happiness and non-stress? A more upright posture? also creates more happiness and less stress. Did you know that if there is something that you feel anxious about, if you lean towards that object of your anxiousness, it will reduce your anxiousness? Wow. Unless it's a scorpion or snake or something, which Spitting then cobra. will increase your anxiousness because you're closer to the thing. Huh. So then how do you know which <laughs> thing is the thing that will reduce your anxiety and which won't? I have my doubts about that last study. <laughs> But why are you doing any of this anyway? Are you happy? I mean, one thing people always say about you is you have the most amazing smile, which is true. So why are you trying to practice smiling? Thank you. I appreciate that. I got to point out, you told me once, and I'm still not sure if it's true, but you never had any dental work done. That's your smile. That's my natural smile, baby. (laughs) (laughs) No. What do you call those? Braces? No. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I feel like I should do some whitening, though. No, I don't think so. Maybe have my teeth bleached? No. No. I'm... I want to know why you're doing this. Well, I'm doing it because there's a new Gallup poll that came out. Oh, and since when have you been keeping track of Gallup polls? Well, you know, I try to keep up on things that have to do with mindfulness or happiness. In this case, 59.2%, which, if you think about it, is not still a very high percentage, but 59.2% of people have reported that they feel like they are thriving in their life, and that is the highest in 13 years. So you mean this is the United States of America? Yes, this is the United States of America. Okay, and this is all sorts of people, they ask questions, just rate their happiness? Yes. Okay, and this is the highest it's been in 13 years? Yes. Wow, that seems unusual to me. Well, maybe it doesn't, but I was just thinking about the pandemic and... Wait, wait, wait. You haven't asked what that has to do with me having a pencil or pen in my mouth. Oh, I thought it just had to do with happiness. Well, yeah. I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses, baby. (laughs) If 59.2% of people are feeling like they're thriving, I should feel like I'm thriving, too. Don't you already feel like you're thriving? I do, I I mean, do. you have a podcast titled Unleash Your Life. Yeah. One would assume that you feel as though you're thriving. I do feel like I'm thriving. And that you're satisfied. That's and that true. you have something to share about it. it. It's science. This is for the sake of science. This is just for the sake of amusing me. 
No, I feel better after holding that pen in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great. Maybe not from plastic ingestion. but. <laughs> so I'm trying to understand why people are saying that they're the happiest they've been in 13 years, considering some of the challenges we've had over the past two years. Do you remember that book, Tribe? I do. Yeah. Oh, you're we not did it again. I didn't do it this time. It's you. Well, you did remember. Well, Rebecca, you should make sure that you can quote your sources if you're going to mention a book. I think you should just be able to remember. Do you remember that time when you were teaching a belly dance uh, seminar? And I'm going to say 16 women came in. And they all stood in a circle. And you asked them to introduce themselves. And every woman there introduced themselves by name. And then you said, wait. And then you went around and you named every single oh, person, well, even though short, you had never met them that's before. That's a short-term memory. 16 names? I, I can't have, even I remember have, one. I couldn't have done that a week later if I saw them at the grocery store. 16 names? I'm sorry. You're distracting me. So you should be able to remember that it's Sebastian. Oh, oh you're good. Oh. Um, well, the last name, I believe, is maybe German, or isn't it younger, or something like that? I don't remember. Uh, oh. You do? Oh, I thought you were just teasing me. No, his first name's Sebastian. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that book, Tribe. It was it, very interesting. It's not a huge, big, long read. I recommend it. It has some interesting points. Yeah. You know, we strive so much to make our lives look good, but he was suggesting that when our lives are under a lot of stress... He spoke about soldiers yeah. and civilians who were being bombed in World War II, I think. Yeah, a lot of wartime-related yeah. incidences. And how oddly a lot of people report that those have been some of the happiest times in their life. Well, and I think by happy, we are looking at what he was talking about, which was that we would come together. You have soldiers in a time of war, and you are comrades, your, your teammates, and you're watching out for each other, and you have a purpose. You all have a purpose to help one another. Or if you are civilians and you're in danger, you're looking out for each other. You're coming together to make sure everybody gets food, everybody stays safe. It's sort of, if I think back, probably what prehistoric peoples did. We were a tribe. We were a band. We watched out for each other. We made sure we all survived. And then you go back into regular society and What's your purpose there? Yeah. It, it sort of fizzles out and you suddenly feel that you don't really, you're just floating. Where are your friends? Where is that intensity of let's make this happen together? I think if we're talking about happiness, we have to recognize that in the English language, we have a lot of words that are just very generalized. Mm -hmm. We have a friend, Julia, who is talking about the word love and how that is become so generalized. Yeah. Oh, it, I love that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It can mean love of another person. It can mean just a deep God love. It can mean all these different things. We use the same word. So happiness here, what we're talking about is not the spastic, I just won the lottery happiness. What we're talking about is a deep happiness. I think of it as abiding. Mm. It's something that stays with you. It is your wellspring. And is your wellspring that of joy or is it something else? What's What do scientists call that? It's sort of a baseline. Yeah, um, well, the, the official term, they call this set point theory. But I like the word baseline. Mm -hmm. This baseline that we have 
And our, our physiology and our mentality is filled with these baselines. In general, we're not aware of them, but we have a baseline, well, a good physiological example would be our, our uh, thermal... Oh, Mr. Science Boy. Oh, the homeostasis that has to do with thermal regulation. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I rely on you to know all of these things. So your body, yours is a little bit lower, but mine is the regular, quote, 98.6 Fahrenheit. Our body tries to stay at this temperature all the time. If it's warm, we're going to sweat to cool. If it's cold, we're going to have internal furnace that kicks on in order to try to keep us at that same baseline. And we feel really off if our baseline gets off. And the same thing mentally, emotionally with happiness. We have a baseline and that's our normal. That just feels regular. But it's obviously going to go up and down and we feel either giddy, spastic, or really sad or down or stressed if it's off that baseline. I'm still going back to thinking why people are the happiest they've been in 13 years because a lot of people really struggled worldwide with the pandemic and a bunch of different things that were just happening. And I mm. guess I suppose you could say people maybe have gratitude now that they that things are settling down, that we can see one another because that's that's kind of a big difference between that tribe book Mm -hmm. In times of duress, we come together. Yes. But in this case, we couldn't come together. We had to social distance. And of course, thankfully, we had technology so we could still communicate. And we found ways we were more resilient and adaptable. But that is a big difference. What we really needed the most was to be able to band together. And we were required by the parameters of the pandemic to stay apart. Yeah, pandemics historically and the one that we've experienced they have a very different character than most other human disasters because they urge us to be apart. And that is the opposite of what gives us that power mm -hmm. of coming, you know, we come together, we are resilient, we treat each other better, we do all these things under these times of distress and duress, but not during a pandemic it's a lot tougher as you say our technology has mitigated that to some extent and there's always been brave people who yeah creativity know, yeah who you know, step into we take a, a leprosy outbreak who will put themselves right into that and brave getting it themselves in order to be there for people oh my goodness i'm but, so grateful for people uh, who are so compassionate but you're saying creativity. Well, we had to get creative, too, yeah. with ways that we could remain connected and could help each other. Uh, it was just neat to watch. But I'm wondering then if just that, I don't know, have you ever had an experience, maybe some of you listening have had an experience where you meet someone who uh, maybe they're dealing with some difficulty and you think to yourself, oh, wow, I'm, I'm so lucky that I just, I have my health or whatever it might be, and you have this basic gratitude for just your foundational things in life. I'm glad I have a roof over mm. my head. I'm glad I have eyes to see the world. I'm, and I'm wondering if with the pandemic, we kind of come to see, wow, I'm so glad that I can just hug my mom now. I'm so glad that I can go for a coffee with some friends. 
Yeah. The stuff we took for granted before, we are now feeling gratitude for. Yeah, that's true. Well, and there was a lot of restructuring of life. I think a lot of people discovered how how much they loved their job. If they wanted a different job, they get to work from home, be with their family more. There was a lot of rearranging, and I hope that many people, it seems to be the case from people I've talked to, have rearranged their life so that it suits them more for that baseline of happiness. Yeah. I, I think in some ways, you know, so many theories about about the pandemic, and it, in a way it doesn't matter that much if it was real or designed or whatever it is. It It's had this positive aspect to it of coming out the other end of it. And obviously in a lot of places in the world, it's still a big thing and people are still under a lot of restrictions. But here in the United States, for the most part, for the moment. <laughs> for the moment, it is, yeah, it feels for a lot of people like it's over. And we're getting to see that that feeling of, wow, okay, everybody's interacting again. I want to say I notice the happiness if I think about it now. Because I'm thinking of just some stores I've gone into or people I've stopped to talk with on the street. And there are some people who are still maintaining distance or, or what have you, but a lot of people have been vaccinated and say, oh, I'm fully vaccinated. And and they'll, they'll stand closer to me than people used to stand beforehand. They'll smile more. There's more curiosity about, oh, hey, tell me about that. Oh, where did you go this summer? Oh, I love Wyoming. That's so great. I have a cousin there. There's more desire to just be where we are and be with people than, oh, okay, that's nice, great. Could you just pay for your thing and get on? with life there's a settling in and having well talk stories what they call it in Hawaii you sit and you just talk story <laughs> I've noticed that too and I want to say I've noticed that subtle shift in one of our baselines how far we stand from <laughs> each other that that's come in a little bit closer I feel like it'd be interesting to hear if other people have had that same experience maybe it's just us because we're Huggy and, and maybe we're stepping closer. Yeah, to maybe we are. Who knows? I think I have a concern though uh, that our baseline will just go back to normal after a while. Well, I call a lot of this auto gratitude. Auto gratitude. Auto gratitude is what happens when you're you have this big contrast. So in this case, a lot of people felt they had to stay away from other people, couldn't see their family for. over a year, then you come together, you get to see your family, you automatically feel so much gratitude just Mm. for this thing because of the contrast, because it's been taken away. So it's gratitude based on contrast. Right. Okay. But that auto gratitude, although it feels wonderful and it gives us a feeling of what gratitude feels like, it does not last. Auto gratitude is just based on that contrast. And after you've spent a few days with your family, that auto-gratitude will wane and pretty quickly disappear. Mm. So the question is right now, is this happiness that people are experiencing just auto-gratitude? Gratitude based on contrast. A lot of it probably is. Mm. But whenever we experience these contrasts as an individual or as a culture, we are at a point where we are aware of the existence of these baselines. We are aware that we can shift up and down. And we, if we add in a little old ancient tradition or modern neuroscience, we're going to find that 
there are people telling us that our baseline is shiftable, that we can alter it. So some of the gratitude and connection and joy or happiness that we're experiencing, although if we just leave things alone, it will return back down. If we concentrate on it and put some work into it, we can raise that baseline a little bit. So maybe it's some effort at the front end, but kind of what I hear you saying is that if you can set that baseline a little bit higher, that that's your new automatic spot that you go to. Whenever we change baselines in our lives, rather than just kind of spot picking and trying to eat a healthier meal tonight and then this and then whatever it is, whenever we change a baseline, it pays huge dividends because that baseline is largely automatic. But we have to remember, you have to put in some work. Those baselines do not move a whole lot. Despite people's efforts to make good things happen in their life and avoid bad things, researchers have found that your baseline pretty much stays the same. Terrible things can happen to you. Wonderful things can happen to you. Mm. It will make a, an acute or short-term change mm -hmm. in your life or your attitude, but it won't change your baseline much unless you seize that moment. Do you remember talking with Stacy just the other day? Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about her literally two minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I won't give a last name here, but this is someone we know and she had a battle with cancer. Battle. <laughs> That's an ingrained, yes. But she could have followed the usual route, which is we'll have an experience like that and then we return to our baseline. But she did not return to her old baseline. No, she is, she's really elevated her baseline and you can just tell. She exudes happiness, she exudes a gratitude for life and she said to us, hey, it's been almost five years now and I think to myself, I'm alive, that is the best gift that can be given. Mm. And it's hard to see other people complaining because you're alive. Wow. Hey, you get to live another day. Is there anything better than that? And then just be here and love it. Yeah. Almost makes me cry. It's just, I know. You could just see in her whole body how grateful she was just for the moment that she was in. So there is an example of someone who changed or altered their baseline in a pretty significant way. Yeah. And this was out of a, quote, negative thing that happened to her. But she rose her baseline from that negative thing. And we have an option to raise or lower our baseline whenever something happens in our life like that. It doesn't have to be a negative or a positive. That doesn't matter so much. But when there's a spike, sure. it brings awareness. So maybe for all of us globally, because this affected everyone, we have an opportunity right now to elevate our baseline of happiness. But then I guess that begs the question, what's so great about happiness? I mean, why put in all this work? Is happiness all it's cracked up to be? <laughs> you know, it's funny because happiness is one of those things that it's easy to take for granted. It's just being a good thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's good to just be richer. You know, I'll be a lot happier <laughs> if I have. There are a lot of drawbacks to having wealth, though. Right. Yes. And so is happiness the same? But happiness, the kind that we're talking about, tends to free people up energetically. Mm. 
So when I am stressed or frustrated, most of my energy goes into my own problem. Mm -hmm. And I spend a lot of time, I tend to ruminate. So immense amounts of mental, emotional energy just spent on thinking about my problems and how bad things are. But when we can achieve a higher degree of joy, we actually are more able to give to others. So it can seem like a greedy pursuit because it's just a feel-good thing, right? Mm -hmm. Why not I'm just... making myself happy. Yeah. <laughs> but we actually become more able to reach out to others, to have empathy, to have compassion, to have energy, to step out and be kind. Well, that's true. I think having happiness is... is one of those things that makes us healthier too uh, because when we are depressed or we are anxious or angry or fearful it really becomes difficult for us to look outward and it becomes sometimes difficult for self-care and other things like that so upping that baseline of happiness is going to help us on that level too but I guess what I wanted to differentiate was that I'm not I don't think that we're talking about sort of a toxic positivity where it's positive, happy at all costs. Um, there are sometimes people or situations that you can get in and people say, oh, why are you being so upset about that? Because you should just be happy. Mm -hmm. And life happens. And so this kind of happiness, I come back to the word abiding. This is your baseline. This is your wellspring. And you can have ups and downs of life but you are going to return to that place of joy. And you're probably, if you've been able to train yourself, are going to be able to respond from that place too. So when something does happen, you do need to have feelings or you do have a challenge in your life. You can draw on that baseline's power to look at everything with the different kind of spectacles and make probably wiser decisions for yourself. Mm -hmm. I often think of our direct neighbors here who we've been able to live next to now for, boy, over a year, right? Almost a year, yeah. Yeah, and they are always an inspiration for that. These are not people that you look at and they have that spastic happiness, I guess is what I usually call it. But they have a deep abiding joy that I feel like runs through all their other emotional states. These are people that are very real. Mm -hmm. They're very comfortable in their life. They're very there. They're not spending a lot of effort trying to put up walls or put up facades. Right. Yeah. They're comfortable with who they are. And they're satisfied. That's the word that comes to my mind is satisfied. And if you ask, hey, how's it going today? It isn't, oh, it's always going great. How's it for you? It sometimes is, oh, I'm, I'm really struggling because this just happened and I experienced this and I'm not sure how to respond to it and it feels so real it's there's a vulnerability and a transparency and they're okay with that they're okay with not being happy at that moment and there's something to that wisdom it gets tricky because it's situational it's for each person in each situation so I can't make a blanket statement that says it's okay to not be happy all the time because you have to examine your own life and what's going on but I love that they could just say, hey, I'm kind of down about this right now. And there isn't, I should be happy or I should be yeah. trying to deal with it. And that's an important point to remember because whenever we're talking about adding happiness to our life, it can become a task. 
I should look happy. I should be happy. I should have this big smile on my face. And paradoxically, we're going to be talking about having a smile <laughs> on your face. But when it becomes a task, that's very different than saying, I'm trying to shift and make a deep abiding change inside of myself. It's comparable to health. There's a lot of us that say, okay, well, I should eat better. And we try to do that just to be more healthy. That is different than saying, I want to change my diet to just soak into food more, to enjoy it, to be present with the cooking of it. That's what's going to bring us a, a deeper health because it's going to be more than just what we intake into our bodies. It's what we think about our food, how we feel as we prepare it, the gratitude, again, that we might feel as we eat it. Well, I think it's important to realize that gratitude is a huge factor. And I, I do think that I see a lot of gratitude happening right now. I feel a lot of gratitude. And gratitude is a practice. As you said, it might not stick. So we need to practice gratitude the way we would practice doing strength training and cardio and eating well to have a healthier body to have that healthier relationship with a positive baseline we need to practice gratitude gratitude has been so well studied and so correlated with other positive behaviors that we pretty much know that gratitude is going to be a positive practice in our life and it feels great it does. It feels good. And it's something you can share. It can be contagious. Uh, I just want to point out that as I'm thinking about this, it seems as though at least our standard United States and American culture sort of gives us the opposite message. And in a way, if you look at consumerism, it sort of thrives on the belief that you're really not valuable. You really aren't good unless you get X, Y, and Z. Yeah. When we're trying to change our set point, it's probably valuable to recognize that our set point is, our baseline is actively being kind of nudged down all the time a little bit. Mm -hmm. More poignantly, we are being given the message that happiness is achieved through those external means. Mm -hmm. The cultural quest is to get the spikes of happiness. Yeah. Buy a fancy new car. Oh, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever tells you two weeks after buying that car, you're going to be right back at your baseline. Yeah, it is that thought that if you organize everything outside of you just right, you'll be happy. But the happiness comes from a satisfaction inside first. And I've known a lot of people actually who when they shift into that focus on their baseline and a focus on satisfaction and gratitude, externals start kind of weirdly switching around reorganizing themselves and we just we respond to the world differently it really is the rosy tinted sunglasses and we're choosing to put them on again and again and again so that we see that differently and it's not about glossing over issues or emotions and it's not about being blasé and not caring it's actually caring more deeply but being able to respond to what we see with a heart that's full of joy I've been looking at my own life and recognizing a lot of places where right now there are things that three or five years ago would have really eroded my feeling of happiness. I would have focused on these things and seen them as negative and they would have been with me all the time as a stressor. 
I know, luckily I am wise enough or old enough or whatever enough to look at those things, a lot of them, because I'm not perfect at it yet, but look at a lot of them and see, wow, I can look at that in a light way. I can look at that with gratitude and it completely changes my relationship. So it's not about organizing my externals. It's how, as you said, I'm going to respond to them, how I'm going to interpret this external stimulus that comes in and then from there that determines my inner state well gratitude is surely one of the ways that we can help our baseline and it's a practice all of this comes down to mindful awareness of what we're doing why we're choosing what we choose and how the choices we make affect ourselves and other people Mm -hmm. and we can't do any of it without a little bit of awareness so i think that's the the top tier but there are lots of ways to approach taking our baseline up a little bit. I mean, you talked about smiling. We'll put that in our action points. Yeah. And diet and health, movement. Movement gets us releasing these chemicals that make us feel good. Having a human connection with other people, being able to be an active listener instead of just having a conversation for the sake of, oh, I want to say some stuff. That's actually what I feel when I'm meeting people. And I said, hey, they stand closer and they ask questions. I feel a lot of people doing a lot more active listening, Mm -hmm. which is really amazing. It it fosters just this great sense that the human beings I meet care about the world. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, should we do some action points? Let's do it. All right. It's time for you to unleash your life. And our first action point, let's do the smiling since, you know, the whole pen in your teeth. Oh, yeah. Smiling. Well, this is one that can bring up a lot of resistance, I feel like. I would kind of toy around with this exercise, often with our forest monks, and sometimes with forest monks who were dealing pretty strongly with depression or other things. And the resistance comes because faking a smile can feel fakey. Oh, it feels so fakey. Yeah, and that puts up that resistance. Like, nope, I will not even try this exercise. But I was reading uh, an article by a psychologist the other day, and she would use this with her students, this experiment. And it was amazing, the results of just holding that darn pen in their mouth. And sure enough, they would self-report. And when we look at brain scans and things, we're seeing in the blood tests, we're seeing less cortisol and people able to deal with the stressful... Why don't we turn this into... A therapeutic thing we could make something that's healthy for us that we could you could give to people and people could do <laughs> practices with this well the, tr- the smiling stick well yeah, it doesn't work for stick. everybody I think we've maybe talked about this in a different podcast episode it doesn't work for anybody and there's some evidence that anybody doesn't work for everybody <laughs> and there's some evidence that it if you know about it it mm. doesn't work as well or maybe even at all but Conversely, if you do something, we know from studies on the placebo effect, if you do something and you say to yourself, this does work, Mm -hmm. kind of ignore what I just said a little while ago, and say, this really is going to change the brain chemicals, then yeah, it might work well for you. And definitely, I feel like when we smile more, genuinely smile, leave the pen out, that can just feel weird. When we smile more, it does shift our baseline over time. So what's our action point here? Well, there's a little fun exercise. 
Because if you haven't worked out your smiling muscles for a while, it can seem a little much to try to smile for a long time. So you choose a short duration, something that is naturally bounded. In other words, you are going in to grab something from the grocery store. This has a natural start and stop to it that isn't going to be too long. And you say, during this time, I am going to smile. I'm going to put on a smile and I'm going to see A, how I feel, and B, notice if the people around me shift or change their attitudes. Because of course we know these smiles are contagious and they tend to move and shift around and increase the momentary happiness of the people around us, which in turn can increase ours and can bump everybody up in this little chain reaction. Okay, so if I understand correctly, I pick a window of time that I'm trying to hold a smile for. Yep. Okay. And for me, it helps to think of smiling at other people. Or sometimes if I'm feeling that it's really fakey and it feels weird, I try to think of someone that I really love or something fun that I've just done recently. And I can kind of smile from that place inside of me. So it feels a little bit more genuine, but I think it's okay for it to feel fakey too. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. Really? (laughs) It's, that's often what researchers say when they use this technique that faking it in this way does have positive results. And I think for me, it's interesting to be conscious of it. And that's why we're choosing a short amount of time is when you're conscious of it and you see how it feels for you and you look around you, you're going to notice the power of a smile. It really helps to just upright your posture a little bit. Oh yeah, you're talking about that in the beginning. Yeah. The slouching posture that so many of us engage in is there's some pretty good evidence. There's not as much research as there is on smiling, but that the slouching kind of releases some more blah chemicals Mm. in our brain and that an upright posture releases some different chemicals in our brain. So stand upright, put on a smile, see what happens. That's awesome. Action point number two. Invite somebody to do something. This is the moment when people are getting together again and celebrating connection to invite somebody over to dinner, invite somebody out for a walk, not to a movie, because in a movie we don't really engage Mm -hmm. with each other. So invite someone to participate in an engaging activity. It could be having tea someplace and talking. It could be, as you said, yeah, anything that's going to engage campfire oh a campfire that's awesome and i want to throw in there if there's someone in your community or workspace or just in general your relationships that could use a little bit more connection invite them because it's really hard if you're somebody who's super introverted and it's totally okay to be introverted and to enjoy time by yourself i'm not trying to ixnay that but i am saying that as someone who was introverted when you get an invitation and someone is excited to see you, then you oh. tend to be drawn out a little more and it feels nice. And it's nice to be with people who want to be with you. So if you're feeling gung ho, pick somebody too that could just use a little bit more connection. <laughs> we gotta remember our older people too. A lot of older people have not been able to connect with people as much, especially over the last year and a half. And they crave the ability just to share some stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And boy, some of those people that are up in years, they have amazing 
things to share. They do. They know so much. They have some great stories. <laughs> well. Action point number three is gratitude. How many times, someone should go back over all of our episodes and see how many times we say about gratitude as an action point. <laughs> a lot. And okay. that's, it's one of our favorites. But I think this time. Let's do a little might... something different. Because we're always, oh, gratitude journal or this or that. Yeah. Okay, what are we going to do different? This is the gratitude bowl. Okay. Yeah. And it's how does a bowl that work? of gratitude? Tell me about it. <laughs> You're going to take things in your life. These can be tangible things or they can be intangible. So a few examples. You might say your husband. You might say your pet dog Fido. You might say your red cook pot that you use every day. You might say your oven. You might say your car your house, your hair, the view from your window, the view from your window, your feelings, so your ability to usually be happy. You take a bunch of these things and you write them out and you throw them into the bowl. And at least once a day, you reach into that bowl and you pick out one of these sheets of paper. Mm. And you're going to look at it and you're going to imagine for a moment that it's gone that you no longer have that thing, okay. that quality, that object. And soak into that for a moment, what it feels like to be without it, to live without it, and then feel, mm. actively feel the gratitude that this thing is in your life. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's really fun. Because it really helps sometimes to look at things and remember. And I think that's what's been happening lately. We've had to do without a lot of things that we're used to. And then when you have them back. So that's a great way to look at it. There's a devious secret to this exercise. Ooh. Yeah, as you're writing down all those things, you end up making this giant list of things in your life <laughs> that you are you know, grateful for. Yeah. A lot of things often that you don't even realize you're grateful for, like that red cook pot. It's just the cook pot you use every day, but wow, yeah. what would it be like? Or your favorite pair of slippers. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and everybody's going to have different things. I don't even own a pair of slippers, but I used to, and I loved them, and they were yeah. wonderful. I was really grateful for them when I had them. So I, I would love, we would love to hear from you if you want to share some of the ways in which you up your baseline or have upped your baseline. Have there been places in your life that have allowed you to elevate that wellspring of joy? And what is your happiness level right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where are you at and where would you like to be? <laughs> All right, my friends love to hear from you write to us or leave comments down here and we are so grateful for you yeah <laughs> love to you all Mwah.